0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I am Matthew Statler and I am here with Neil Grogan. And today we're going to talk about Bible intake. And so, Mm. because we are in a new year and most people will start a new plan or they'll be thinking about their Bible plans, which I think is right and good and helpful. Yeah, Um, do that. Do that. For Um, for sure. Maybe not start a new plan if you haven't finished your last one. I think Neil mentioned it in our last episode that if you haven't finished, keep going and finish it off and then start your new year at another time. And when you finish and so um, we wanted to dig down a little bit deeper into what does it mean to um, intake Bible, to have Bible intake? How, what does it mean to open the word of God and meditate to dwell and to receive this revealed revelation. Mm. Uh, And so where better than to start with really the introduction to the book of the Psalms, which is Psalm 1. Psalm 1 seems kind of out of character um, in that it doesn't seem to flow with the theme of the early part of book 1 of the Psalms, Uh, but it really is tied in tightly to Psalm 2. Um, but it really has a, a point. And that point is, this is what we must do, or we should do, or we get to do. Neil, you had something on this.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, you want me to read Psalm one? It's only six verses.
0: Yeah. I think we should start by reading the text, but, um, you know, normally when I, before I start reading, I like to pray. Um, so I like to pray that the Lord would incline my eyes to find wonderful things, uh, in the text, that my heart would be receptive, uh, that I'd slow down mentally, um, that I would not seek to study for selfish gain, but to, um, delight in the Lord and to raise my affections to him. Um, that's usually what I do to start. And I think it helps prime the pump.
1: Yeah. And for me, you know, I pray something similar but I always, you know, include two things, you know, God, show me uh, more about who you say that you are. And God help me to change to be more like your son. And so, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, as you come to God's word, man, petition the Lord to help you to understand him and to know him. Because again, like what Matt and I are saying, like, the big, beautiful aspect of Bible intake, isn't that, Hey, we accomplished a Bible reading plan. It's, Hey, we, we now have grown in wisdom and understanding and relationship with our God. And so we, and we do that as we mine the depths of scripture together.
0: All right. So get, let's hear Psalm one, Neil,
1: and I'm going to read from the legacy standard Bible. Uh, so here's, here's what God's word says. It says, how blessed is the man Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers? But his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and in its leaf it doesn't wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like a chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: So this this passage um, begins with blessed is the man. Mm. Uh, some modern translations have, have tried to change it to say the one and um, and I think there's some good exegetical grounds for it. But I like the fact that it says, blessed is the man. Uh, and one reason is because I believe it ties in with Psalm 2, talking about the Son, um, that the Messiah. And Christians from, from early time have recognized that this is a, a psalm about the Messiah. And that Messiah is who we try to emulate. And so in one sense... That man is who we want to emulate, but right. we do not achieve righteousness because we are emulating him. And so your Bible reading, your Bible intake doesn't make you righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, if that were the case, the prophets, or not the excuse me, the Pharisees in the uh, New Testament, they would be more righteous <clears throat> than, than us. Um, mm-hmm. But we know that Jesus says, the least in the kingdom is more righteous than the Pharisees because we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, given to us, placed upon us. Mm-hmm. And so as we read this, this is not a, um, you got to check this off your list to be a super Christian, uh, to be a superb Christian. Uh, what, and so don't don't hear what we're not saying. But what we are saying is that one, we see a progression of, of sin. Um, we see that, that this blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the way of the sinners, nor sits with the, the scoffers. And you see the progression. And just as if you were walking and someone started talking about something super interesting, you may follow them and you may go with them. And then you sit down with them and you eat with them and have a meal with them. Um, and, and the warning is there's two types of counsel. And we have the counsel of the wicked and we have the counsel of the righteous. And so there's, there's two ways. Contrary to popular belief, there's two ways. There's the way of the right and the way of the fool um, or the wrong.
1: Or the narrow road and the wide road. The narrow road and the <laughs>
0: wide road. Uh, and so what this blessed man does is not fall for the traps of the world, the traps of Satan, uh, but instead, verse 2, his delight is in the law of Yahweh, or the law of the Lord, depending on your translation.
1: Yeah, and I love that, you know, the the different, it, it reminds me of Deuteronomy 6, this, this different um, actions we can take, right? Walk, stand, sit. Um, you know, in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about when we're training our children to love the Lord, our God, our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Right. That we do it when we walk by the way, when we sit down, when we stand up, we put it at, as a as a as a a, a gate a post on our gates. Right. Like there's all these different action steps for walking in the way of the righteous. But here the the psalmist now contrasts that with a different way, like Matt's talking about this. This, this road that leads to destruction, this way that leads to uh, judgment um, and perishing. And, uh, you know, Matt, I, I think about this, like walking the Council of the wicked. One of the things you said was, uh, you know, when we're walking around, we hear something interesting, right? We'll we'll want to follow the one who said the interesting thing, yeah. you know? And, like right now, like for instance, uh, I was on Facebook and I you know I, as one does at times and I got an ad right and this ad was for because Facebook algorithm knows that I follow a lot of christians and stuff but the ad was Jordan Peterson's explanation of the law of god or exodus or whatever it was and I was like Jordan Peterson isn't a believer yeah um he affirms that scriptures are good, but he does not know my Christ. And, you know, I love that you drew out, Matt, in the beginning that the blessed man is Christ. We become righteous through Christ. Um, And because of his righteousness that's given to us, we can then be blessed. (laughs) And so, you know, there are many attractive things out there. Many people you might want to follow, but that and way Neil, does not lead also you video into clip. life.
0: There's a oh, video yeah. clip of him talking about this, and uh, he starts out, "Is what is God?" Hmm. Right, and right there, my my ears are are, are twitching because he asked, "What is God?" Not right. who is God, and right hmm. there, I know that he's missed it right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't know the true and living God who is a personal being. Um, You know, it's kind of like Psalm 19 is laid out. You have um, the heavens declare the glory of God, Elohim. And then it says in the second part, it's the the law of Yahweh, right? It's Mm -hmm. a personal revelation. So you have the general, you know, he should know there is a God because you look at this sovereign
1: Lord and then a personal named God.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So you see that distinction. So, you know, we're not trying to bash Jordan Peterson because I think he's, he's stood from some really good causes and he's, he's uh, really put his, his way forward. But as believers, we have something better. Mm -hmm. We have something greater. If you want to learn how to be a man, let's look to the God man first. Yeah. You want to you want you want to know about wisdom? Open the book of Proverbs and just soak in that. Um, that's that's the true um, wisdom that we need to pursue, and we see that Christ is wisdom because, anyways, we, we we're digressing. But yeah, you're exactly right. And so, like, social media is notorious, right? And once somebody says something maybe interesting, some kind of counsel he begins to gain followers. And when he has those followers in order to keep those followers, he has to continue to say something, or she has to say something antagonistic or hot or spicy or w- inflammatory, right. In order to keep those followers with them. Yeah. And so we see and they that begin this, to stand and sit with them <laughs> and you begin to become like them, right. Yeah, that's we, right. we become like what we worship. And so, yeah, absolutely. We see this progression, um, but man, we, we we transition into verse 2. This man, this righteous man, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, mm. or in the law of Yahweh. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And, you know, we could get distracted by this word law Um But really, it it includes all of God's instruction. Um, That's the entire whole counsel of the Lord, the whole counsel of God. And so um, this delight is in the instruction or the law
1: of Yahweh. And And I would add, too, like, what does the law teach us about God? Well, it teaches us about the holiness of God. This Yahweh is a holy God. And so when we think about delighting and we think about Bible intake, right? We're not just delighting simply in the words we're reading. We're not simply delighting in, I mean, it's, we don't, we shouldn't delight just in knowledge to have knowledge, right? But the delight itself comes from delighting in Yahweh. In delighting in His character, in delighting in the relationship with the personally named God provided for us here in Psalm one. That's right.
0: And if you you know if you go further, you could take Psalm one hundred and nineteen and and see the the repetition that this is about delighting in in the Lord, so that I might not um, I stored up Your Word in my heart, that I might not sin against You. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Uh, you know, Neil. There's a really useful uh, method of prayer that Luther taught his barber. That I mean, I really, really enjoy um, that model. And because I'm, I'm a dumb scout, I have acrony- acrony- acronymed it um, to ITCP, um, and it, I stands for instruction. So as you're reading the word. What instruction is there in this text? And then the next thing he has is T, thanksgiving, right? So the next thing that I'm going to do is give thanks to the Lord for this instruction. Um, And then, of course, C for confession and P for petition. Uh, But, man, I love that order is that we look at the instruction. So what does this passage teach us? You know, and then thanking the Lord for it. Lord, thank you for giving me guidance here. Uh, thank you for teaching me that I don't need to follow every counsel that I hear, but rather I need to delight in your law. Mm. right? And then, of course, I'm going to confess, God, I, I've been getting distracted by things I shouldn't be distracted by. Lord, help me to focus in on your law. And it just, it's just a wonderful way of, of meditating. But I, I love how, Neil, you brought out the fact that we are trying to focus in on the law giver. Who is this that gave the law? And man, if you remember the the time of Moses in the Old Testament, as you're reading through this Exodus story, the people of God were uh, enslaved by the Egyptians. And when God revealed himself to Moses, you know, he says, I am, tell them that I am has sent you. And then he delivered to them the law Hmm. and that set them up to be prosperous in the land. Now, of course, we know that they left the Canaanites in the land with them and that intermingling led to destruction and, and idolatry. But uh, what we see in verse 2 is that on his law, he meditates day and night. Um, he chews on it. He considers it. I think a lot of us, because we're so task-oriented, we forget that the purpose of our study is not just to check a box and say, I read so many chapters today, though I think there's a cumulative effect of Bible reading. Totally. But the fact is that we need to meditate. And Neil, you you and I have kind of talked back and forth about meditation. Uh, and that's something that I think both of us really like to do regularly. Um, but yeah. meditation is meditation is not some Eastern practice, but an actual biblical method to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the world would say that biblical meditation is the process of emptying your mind, right? To becoming more mindful and self-aware. And that's that's not what we're talking about when we think about biblical meditation. What we're talking about is being shaped by, being formed by dwelling upon the truths of the character of God, the truths of uh, what he calls us to do it, to be in right relationship with him, or to continue to grow in our faith in in him, right? What we're what we're talking about with me- biblical meditation is like what Philippians four eight speaks of it, when it says, "Whatever is true," and then it goes forward, but he starts with, "Whatever is true, think about these things." And what it, what surer place can we find truth than God's word, right? And so this That's is right. what the psalmist is taking us to, or and what Paul was referencing back to is, man, the truths of God's unchanging word must be the thing that owns our mind and our heart. And as we meditate, what happens is, I, I, I think this is supernatural, what produces in our hearts is affection for the God who has said. And when our affections are stirred up for the Lord, we then to delight in obedience to him, and we begin to produce a glad submission to him and As we do that, what we are what we are seeing is the rest of someone walked out. we become this tree that's planted by life, we're adding water to uh our soil we are living upon the the living word of God. And there are many practical ways we can meditate biblically, uh, you know, and Matt and I are going to talk about just a couple of different ways you can do this. Hopefully it's a good resource to you to employ as you um, uh, not only are trying to uh, find gold in uh, in God's word, but you're trying to find the vein of gold in the mine, right? So there's a difference between panning, digging for. Yeah, it's there's a difference between panning in a river and finding specks, right? And mining the depths of the world to find the the gold vein, right? And that's what we're talking about. Biblical meditation is that tapping into the vein of gold and the treasure that is found in God's word. And so, Matt, what are some um helpful ways that man you meditate on God's word daily?
0: Yeah, so I kind of have different spheres of meditation. Um, and, and what I mean is I know that I want to take it with me and I can only take a very small portion with me. Uh, so I'm, I'm usually not driving with my Bible open, trying to read and drive at the same time. Uh, so <laughs> don't drink and drive do and don't little, read don't, and drive. Don't drink and drive. <laughs> don't read and drive. Though my mom tells a story about the time before cell phones when she would have a book with her on these long drives. But, um, so that's been a a natural problem. So cell phones did not start the distracted driving. Uh, (laughs) Humans have always been distracted, but yeah, we, um, we take a little note. Um, I usually get a three by five card or a sticky note and, um, I want to kind of have that portable truth with me. Uh, and so that's one, I have a, a, a moving sphere, And then I have my study time. And in my study time, uh, I try to read the psalm out loud. And as I'm reading it out loud, I try to emphasize each specific word in the text. So um, verse 3 of our psalm here, I would do something. I've done it. I do two different ways. One way is um, I do it like this. He, he is he is like, he is like a, he is like a tree, he is like a tree planted, he is like a tree planted by. So that's one way that I've done it. Um, And what that does, it makes me stop at the last word and consider it more carefully. Uh, The second way that I do is I do the whole verse, but I emphasize each word as I go. And so it would be he is like a tree planted by streams of water. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. And what I, what that does is not only do I memorize that verse pretty quick when I follow that pattern, um, yeah. but I actually think through what it means. First off, he, who is he? Well, he's that blessed man at the very beginning that we talked about. Uh, and why is that important? What does that have to do with anything? Well, it's because of the righteousness of Christ that we are enabled to draw out from this. The fact that this is a tree, uh, a tree does takes a while to produce fruit, right? There's a, a season for fruit and a season for a gathering. We live in the desert and, um, well, I live in the desert. Neil lives in kind of like some hybrid arid plain, the hill country, um, uh, but the desert, we, I planted some trees and it takes a couple of years before they start producing any fruit at all. And so it would be unwise of me to plant a tree and wait next month to look and see if I got any peaches. So if I want a peach cobbler, um, I don't plant the tree and then expect to have peach cobbler that night. I, I plant the tree, I cut cultivate it, I got to feed it and et cetera. And the same thing with my scripture reading is I can't anticipate immediate fruit. This is a long-term uh, value. And it's, it's interesting that the things I've studied, uh, even in high school, when they made me memorize passages at my Christian high school uh, in, in Africa, uh, those things come back to me. And I, and I remember those verses at valuable times. And so what was planted years and years ago bears fruit today as a pastor. And so... What you're doing is you are cultivating a field and so you can't anticipate immediate results uh Neil what do you do with meditation?
1: yeah so um I was joking around with you the other day but uh I remember us having a conversation a long time ago about these little three by five cards and uh kind of cutting them in half that way you can make it stretch you know but uh I do that too I may I have a similar practice uh, but There's two, maybe there's three things I would add. Uh, One is I always ask the question of the text, what does this tell me about God and his character? And like in this text, right, I would probably focus in here on the law of Yahweh well, that means there's a law giver. Why is there a law giver? So I'm just talking through the process in my mind. There's a law giver because we have a holy God and he calls his people to be holy as he is holy. And so by meditating on the law, it helps me to see how to live a holy life in in relation with a holy God. And so I'm asking the question of what does this say about God? And then I'm letting my mind be saturated by the holiness of God or whatever the text says about God specifically. Another thing that I do as well is I think about uh, where I need to specifically change, right? Like what area of my life needs to look more like Christ in based upon what the text says explicitly. So if this text tells me that um, there is two kinds of people, there's these righteous people, and then there's these wicked people, right? What aspects of my heart remain in the counsel of the wicked? What aspect of my heart Is standing in the way of a sinner? What aspect of my heart is sitting in the seat of scoffers? And so I began to do an inventory of my life, really asking the question of how am I least glorifying God? How am I least being holy? And then I think about, so that I need to to take the ax to that, right? I want to chop that down. I want to prune it. You know, it's funny in uh, John 15, 1 through 11, it, uh, Jesus gives the, the big vine discourse. I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. He abides in me, bears fruit. He who doesn't, doesn't bear fruit, right? Uh, those who bear fruit, uh, the father prunes that they would bear even more fruit. And and then I kind of take my mind goes to like uh, in First Peter where it talks about humbling ourselves right before the mighty hand of God. And that happens before it says, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So there's kind of these two things that I'm thinking about. One, God gives us an opportunity to prune ourselves, and he also prunes us as well. He gives us an opportunity to humble ourselves, but then he also humbles us, <laughs> right, when we remain in our pride. And so with that in mind, you know, and because I'm an illust- uh, uh, illustrative person, right? I think about pictures. And so when I think about pruning and I think about yielding fruit, what's required to yield fruit means I have to properly prune the branch, right? If you, if you ever have had tomatoes, Matt, um, did you know that you can prune a tomato plant? Most people don't know that. Um, well, what happens in the, in the main stems of the tomato plant, you'll get these like V's, right? These main branches, but in the middle of that branch, what will shoot out is literally the technical term is called a sucker. The plant will grow these little suckers and to prune a tomato plant, you have to pinch off the suckers so that your it yields a greater fruit. And so, you know, I'll, I'll think of a picture that helps me to understand this text or makes it sticky in my mind. And so I would probably take this text and say, what are my suckers? You know, what, what is, what is, what I need to pluck some suckers, you know, so that I would bear fruit. What are the ways I'm walking in the council of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of scoffers? What is, what is my delight focused on? And when I find a sucker, I get to plucking, you know? So those are some of the added yeah. ways. And then the third final way, Matt, is I always ask of the text is, what does this tell me about Jesus or point me to Jesus? And so that's something I want to meditate on. And I love that in the beginning, you talked about uh, the man, the blessed man, right? Is Is twofold. It's for us, right? But it's ultimately known in Christ. And so I will literally meditate on how this text reveals to me, Jesus and the work of Jesus and how his work makes me right with God, the triune God of the universe. And so, uh, because I know that it's Christ who changes me, not simply reading the Bible And not simply meditating on a passage, it's Christ who's doing the work in me. And so that's something I want to dwell on as well.
0: Yeah, you know, as we as we look at this and we get close to wrapping up, um, you know, we want to ask the question, like, what does this say about Christ as prophet, Christ as priest and Christ as king? Um, You know, Psalm 2, you definitely see Christ as king. I right, kiss the the Lord, lest He be angry, uh, and you perish right. in the way. Uh, sorry, kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in this way. Um, but in this one, you really see an emphasis on um, the prophetic nature of of our Lord, and uh, mm-hmm. I like how you use your illustrations to point you um, into where you need to change, and that's what the prophets in uh, in Israel did because. Of a stiff-necked people, uh, they needed to get goaded by the word, and I think for yeah. me, I need to be goaded by the word. In fact, the passage in verse two says he meditates on the law day and night. Why does he meditate on the law day and night? Because he needs the law day and night, right? I need God's word uh, day and night, um, and and as I as I do that, I notice. That over the long haul, I am kinder to my children. I'm gentler with my wife. Uh, all these things are added as I seek to uh, pursue my Lord. And so, mm. um, what one of the things I want to leave you with is where is Christ in Scripture as you study? Uh, I really like Luther's illustration that um, the Bible is the manger in which Christ lay. And I think that's helpful uh, as we look at these passages. And the reason is because 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. Uh, And so we in order to understand any of this text, we need to have the spirit of the Lord within us. Uh, we need to have Christ in us and we need his uh, spirit illuminating our minds so we can understand it. And so we need to delight in it and make this uh, our goal for this new year. Neil, do you have any last words?
1: Yeah, just to give a shout out. Uh, the sucker illustration was uh, helpfully given to me by the Watson clan. Uh, <laughs> they're, they are gardeners. I am not. Um or they're good gardeners. I am not. (laughs) Um, but man, as you, as you intake God's word into your life, you know, really consider, um, what your delight is in. And our hope for you guys is that as you meditate, as you frequently visit the word of God, what happens in you is that your affections would rise up for your Lord um, and he would be glorified most in your life. And the way we begin that each day is by encountering him in his word that should shape and form all that you do think, say, and believe. So guys, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the gospel lifeline podcast until next time, Neil and Matt. We out.
0: you